You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we are talking an introduction to the strata management world, and we are very lucky to have the president of the WA Strata Community Association, Catherine Leeser. Catherine, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Trent. Good to be here. Hey, you're also a councillor in the city of Perth. That's a pretty cool mix you've got, <laughs> especially when you're talking about strata. You've got a lot of strata in the city of Perth. Yes, absolutely. It's not the highest density, but it's certainly the tallest density. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And how are you finding that since October when you were voted in? Oh, it's fabulous. So interesting. There's so much going on in the city and I encourage all your listeners to come into the city because there's an awful lot of festivals, activities and interesting family-friendly events. I think that's what everyone wants, really. We, we we all want Perth to be as lively as it can be. And hopefully with this new council coming in, it really starts to give a little bit more life into a bit of drive into all those efforts that, have, that need to go into the community. Let's segue into the strata space because, uh, as you said, there is a huge amount of strata requirement in the city of Perth, but more generally across Western Australia, it's becoming more prevalent, especially with survey strata developments going on a lot these days in the infill. How does your role affect that situation? What do you do every day as, as the president of the WA Strata Community Association? Our association initially was set up to be the Association for Strata Managers, So at Strata Communities, we have um, education, but we have education not for just strata managers and not just for service providers, but we also have owner education. So if you have uh, any of your listeners who are interested in understanding more about strata from an owner's perspective, we are doing lots of seminars online. We do lots of face-to-face events in WA. So go to our website, which is just strata.community. That's it. Easy. Strata.community. Wow, it's okay. really easy. No, no, nothing else. No gov, no com. No, nothing yep. else. And uh, have a look at what we offer. So just to take a step back for your listeners, Trent, the strata management became a little cottage industry. So when the strata laws got set up back in the 60s, okay, okay. that's when they were first set up. For whatever reason, the crafters of the laws put all the management power and decision-making power with the owners. Okay, So the, all the owners have to make the decisions and run the building and make decisions and pay bills and get insurance and all those basic things. However, when you have a volunteer committee of owners, they don't always have all the skills or understand what they're doing or understand the laws or whatever. They may be biased in a certain direction. They don't want to spend money on things. All of that. (laughs) And strata management kind of just grew out of the need to help the owners. So it kind of grew as a cottage industry to start with and then it got bigger and bigger and more and more professional. And we are, as, as you mentioned, the association that represents all the strata managers, not just in WA, but all through Australia. That's amazing. Now, strata managers are not property managers, are they? No, not even close. <laughs> so their best description, I guess, is uh, an administration function. So as I said before, all of the management is vested in the owners or a subset of the owners. So you might call the subset of the owners the strata council or the council of owners. Decisions are only made generally at an AGM or by the council of owners or what we now call the strata council. However, the strata managers are there as an administrative backup. So they will do things like send out uh, work orders, pay bills, do the BAS, make sure the property is insured and carry out the directions of the owners. They actually don't make any decisions. They actually don't go to the building, 
all the decisions and all the information is with the owners. The strata managers just purely do the administration function. So the strata managers manage the building itself. Property managers obviously manage the individual apartments. Yes, that's right. So there's a good synergy between, and what we what we like to see is property managers working well with strata managers. They're very different uh, professions, and the strata managers need to know if something's going wrong inside an apartment. It may be something to do with the building itself, the whole building, but then again, it may just be an individual owner's responsibility. So the two have to work really well together to solve any of these problems. So it might be one of the situation where I'm on the third floor and something's leaking through my ceiling, something's come from the 10th floor, that's where the strata manager gets involved on, yeah. a, on a whole of building situation. Yeah, absolutely. So somebody needs to diagnose where that water's coming from. And water, as we all know, is very tricky <laughs> to work out. And it's even trickier when it's coming down levels and going spreading across levels and through various apartments. Yeah. Are there many strata managers that you know of that used to be property managers or real estate agents or had come from the, the property industry? Absolutely. The skills are very transferable because it's basically customer service and then administration and making sure work orders are sent out and making sure the work's carried out and then paying people. So it's very similar functions. Strata management sits in a whole different world of its own legislation. So there is a whole lot of other things that a strata manager needs to know. So both property managers and strata managers need to know things like occupational health and you know basic things like that. But when it comes to strata management, they need to understand the strata management laws. And that's a whole different universe <laughs> to property management. So we've spoken about that skill set, that background. But what about qualifications? If I don't have any specific qualifications in strata management, for example, a diploma of strata something, could I just start a strata management business tomorrow? A long answer to a simple question. The new strata laws were enacted on the 1st of May 2020. And they brought in a whole lot of qualification requirements. And we are in what's called the transition period. So you can't suddenly say to an industry of 2,000 people, suddenly you've got to have a certificate for qualification. People with 40 years experience. Exactly. So they've given everybody four, four years to get those qualifications. So by the time we get to 2024, yes, the answer to your question is yes, everybody getting into the industry will need to have some qualification to get in and, and obtain it within two years. But at the moment, we're in this transition where you don't need to. So is that going to be a Cert 4 from TAFE? There's multiple Cert 4s. We have one. There's a company called ACOP. TAFE does one. All right. So in the next few years, we're going to be qualified. So really builds out that service there. It's quite separate to a property manager. Is it a big industry? Are there many companies that do strata management? Are there big front runners? Like in you know in real estate, for example, there are big national brands like your Ray Whites, your professionals, all those sort of things. And then there are a lot of boutique brands. Is it the same in strata management? In WA... There is one very large (laughs) strata management company and then there's a whole lot of sort of let's call them second tier but still large companies and then there's the next level down which becomes smaller right down to your single person companies. There's also some strata management businesses which sit in the back of a real estate agent's office. So there might be a real estate agent office that does full service of everything, sales, property management and strata management as well. Yeah, they got the strata guy who sorts out a few of the apartment buildings they manage maybe. Yeah, exactly. But to give you a sense of the size of the industry, as of the 31st of May 2021, there are 76,000 odd strata schemes in WA. So survey strata developments or apartment developments, something like that. Yes, but here's the interesting thing. Of those 76 odd thousand strata schemes, 
71,000 of them are less than 10 lot schemes. Mm. Yep, so our so, triplexes, our quads, our townhouse developments. Exactly. So when you think about strata management, when you have a small lot scheme, some of those schemes choose to self-manage. So they do not have to. There's nothing in the law that says you have to have a strata manager. So if you have the skills in-house and you understand how to do insurance and do your BAS and do all of the things that you have to do under the law, you can certainly manage it yourself. However, the strata managers do generally operate in the larger schemes. So if we're talking the other 5,000-odd schemes that are above 10 lots each, that's where you get the strata managers have the most impact and, of course, they help all the owners out. Yes, we recognise with apartment buildings, you need a strata manager. It's too much to handle. And most of the time, it's not owned by one person. Yeah. Do you think that the triplex, the quad, the six townhouses, do they need a strata manager? Because the rules don't actually require you to need one, right, for a lot no, of these? No, you don't need one. For any of them. No. If you didn't, if you had an apart, if you own an apartment building of 40 apartments or 100, you don't actually need a strata manager if you want to do it yourself, right? That's it's right. not advisable. It's but- not advisable because it's very complex. There's so many parts of the strata legislation that you must comply with mm. and the uh, fines are quite substantial. Uh, a bit like the real estate industry, you can get a $3,000 fine if you don't comply. So one of the things that came in with the new laws last year was that all schemes over 10 lots must have a 10-year plan, a 10-year maintenance plan. So if you haven't got that and you don't know how to get that, you know, that's one of the things that your strata manager can help you out with. They certainly do BASs and um, all your accounting, work orders, pay bills. They have access to a whole lot of trade people and accredited tradespeople. So also at Strata Community Association, we have education for people who work in strata. So for your painters and your building managers and everything. And the reason we do that is because understanding strata and what you and I think of strata really is apartments, but understanding how that works is really hard for them because if you hire a painter, they expect, oh, well, you're going to make a decision next week and you're going to hire them. But the world of strata requires you to get two or three quotes. You then have to take those quotes to the next AGM and get all the people to sign it off at the next AGM. That could be a year. That could be 18 months before you give a go-ahead to a painter. So what we try to do is educate strata service providers of of the time frame up front that they have to get used to quoting. Sometimes they won't get the quote and sometimes it takes a long time for them to be told if they've got the quote or not. It sounds quite cumbersome and it sounds like it wouldn't really work out from my perspective on, you know, let's say I've just developed a triple X or I've just done five townhouses on a quarter acre, setting up that whole strata situation and getting a professional strata company in, would that be advantageous or would it just be too cumbersome? Where do you see those numbers sitting there? It's advantageous because that's the first question everyone's going to ask on the on the disclosure documents when somebody's buying off you. The real estate disclosure documents must say, is it a registered strata scheme? If so, provide the bylaws. If so, provide the strata scheme and all that stuff. So you need to have it, a basic level of it. But what I'm really talking about is the ongoing management. Mm-hmm. So the ongoing management is the basic level of what, what's required in the strata laws is you must insure the property, you must have an AGM, you must take a proper record of all your accounts and uh, if it's a, if it's over 10 lots, you must have a 10-year maintenance plan and be saving towards your 10-year maintenance plan. Certainly, there will be some of your listeners who will definitely be able to do that and there will some who think it's too hard. <laughs> mm, well, I'm thinking just in practicalities. You know, let's say I've got a triplex and the only piece of common property that there is is a driveway. Yes. Now, we've insured that driveway. What involvement would a strata manager have there other than maybe managing the AGM that happens in the backyard of someone's house yeah. with a beer? 
and what would it cost? So uh, probably start this conversation from how small it gets in terms mm-hmm. of the involvement and the cost to maybe what it might cost a 200 apartment building to have a strata manager on a yearly basis. Yeah, the strata manager, how they charge, so let's just get into that for a second, is basically on a per lot basis. And then there are some specific fees that they have to charge. So if they're arranging your insurance, they'll charge a fee and so on. So um, usually the fees, there's a big range. That's why you have to go and talk to a whole lot of different strata managers. There's a big range in the fees, but they could be anywhere from $250 a lot to $350 a lot, somewhere in there. Now, in terms of a, a larger building, so a larger building always has a strata manager, but a larger building often will also have a building manager. So here we get into the facilities management side of strata because it's, as I said before, the strata managers are never on the site. They never go to the building. They don't really know what's going on. And if you've got a huge building, so for instance, the one I live in is 73 lots, which also isn't huge, but it could be huge for yep, Perth, yep. <laughs> 73 lots. You need somebody to be wandering around and checking the lights aren't blowing and making sure the cleaner's doing the right thing and making sure the garage door's working and the making gardening, sure, yep. you know, there's a whole lot of schedules that have to be done too. The lift lifts need maintenance regularly. The fire system needs maintenance regularly. The, all the garage doors, as you say, the gardens, the cleaning, Everything needs to be checked and maintained regularly. Now, those are usually not skills that any owner has. It's a pretty interesting area to Or would understand. want to have. They don't have the time for this. They expect that someone else, this faceless person generally, is sorting all this stuff out. That's right. So it depends. So it's a cost-benefit analysis. How much of your time do you want to spend learning all this stuff and doing it as an owner? Or... Do you just get the right resources, which is your strata manager and your building manager? As an owner, you wouldn't, as, especially in a big apartment development, you wouldn't have a choice anyway. You would inherit a situation yeah. where there is a strata manager who is looking all after, after all this and they are managing a building manager yeah. uh, and they are being managed by the council of owners who you may or may not be on. That's exactly right. And interestingly, the more work that the council of owners can put into the building and the more understanding they have of it, the less work strata manager charges you for the less work the building manager charges you for as well so it's a very fluid and flexible yes. pricing model does some charge by a percentage of value or, uh, is no. it, or is it august a flat fee per amount of apartments or yeah, townhouses it's a, it's a flat fee per lot and then there's extra charges on top of that for the extra work they may do so there's usually a charge for every bass there's usually a charge for getting your insurance okay. sorted that it's kind a of plus thing. plus sort of yep. model as well okay. exactly how do we pick a good one then how do we know we're getting a good one i guess it's a similar question you may ask for a real estate agent or a property manager and the same thing there's obviously brand and there's reviews that may happen but in the space of strata management it may not be that public about who you know you may not know these brands very well before you start moving into it yes what would be the best place to start Well, Strata Community Association, as the Association for Strata Managers, we make sure all of our members, they do CPD points every year, they're qualified, and they have regular training on new things like the new laws and so on. So that is uh, the first place to start. And then you have to try and figure out what kind of building are you and what kind of strata manager you need. So your building kind of has a personality. (laughs) So there might be very interested people who want to get very involved, or there might just be nobody who's interested, then you have to figure out what's the right strata manager to fit your building's personality. That's not always the easiest thing. It's hard to do it up front. I've done it lots of times myself in my buildings where I've had to interview different strata managers and in the end we've actually trialled a few to see if they fit well. Okay. (laughs) So you can actually do that. Strata manager contracts are generally for three years, but they can be as short as a year. If you were looking to get in the industry as a strata manager, how would you start at the moment? What would your career path look like? 
Uh, what would the steps be along the way, you know, before you get to the director or an owner of a business? What are you getting paid? All those questions. It's a growing industry. We can't get enough staff. So that's the first that's thing. good to know. Yep. <laughs> that's really good. And it's an industry where you could start off as a, as a 20-year-old, 18-year-old straight out of school. And if you've got some customer service experience, it's a great place to learn. So what we've seen in the industry is people will come in quite young and the very first time they get an emergency phone call from, let's say, there's a flood in the building or something bad's happened, the lift's broken down Quite or something, yeah. either they go, great, I'm happy to help this, this building and I can fix it, or they sort of crumble a little bit and then they realise it's not the industry for them. <laughs> but to answer the question about salary, the industry is growing and we can't get enough staff. So the salary ranges are quite competitive. You can start off at you know thirty five, forty thousand, and then very quickly you're at eighty thousand. And if you're a senior strata manager, even over a hundred thousand. Yeah, wow. And yep. when you're a senior strata strata manager, you're probably in one of the more sizable companies managing some of the most uh, prolific buildings in Perth, right? That's right. Some of them have a team structure where there's a sort of a head strata manager and then a team of people underneath them. Others do all the work themselves. So there's various different ways, like in, like in any industry, there's very different ways that those strata managers are set up. And the important thing is to find one that fits your building and fits how you want them to work with you. Now, what happens when you've got a building that's got a mixed-use situation where there's residential and then there's some cafes downstairs, maybe there's some offices in the middle. How does that work? Are you managing all of that? Yep, you're managing the whole lot. The interesting, it's always very hard in, a, in, a, in apartment buildings because there's quite a lot of competing interests. So you've got competing interests from commercial owners. So the commercial offices want everything to look nice during the day. They don't really come there at night. They're never there on the weekends. They don't see that part. The people who live in the building, they pretty much see it at night and on the weekends. Yeah, 24-7 <laughs> <So> job. <laughs> so you've got, first of all, that's competing. Then you've got competing interests of owner-occupiers who see exactly what's going on every day because they live there. And then you've got investors who, are, who have a different mindset and a different view of the building. They want to minimise their costs on a strata basis, right? That's right. However, they get good depreciation, as you probably are aware. But the so... There, there are always competing interests in any building. It just makes it a little bit more complex when there's, when there's mixed use between commercial and residential. Yeah. But it can work really well for things like embedded networks and solar and batteries if we ever get into that very well, we, <laughs> big discussion. <laughs> that's starting to happen in Perth, isn't it? One of the first ones to start to hit that is the Montreal Commons development happening in Fremantle by OP Properties who've had Luke Parker in talking about that before. It's an exciting space where they're going to be Australia's first carbon neutral development, bringing in these shared uh, self-generating solar power sort of stuff. And I guess that's a massive space where Strata needs to step their game up and be ready for that, right? We are very lucky that there's some exemplar developments like that one happening in Perth. Most of the councils have regulations and certainly the state is moving that way with its planning regulations that new builds have to be uh, efficient and have an eye to climate change, it's harder with retrofitting older buildings. But what I was saying about having mixed use is really good if you've got a solar array because the commercials can use the solar power during the day when generally the residents aren't home. So you can actually even out your energy profile get quite most, a lot. the most use out of it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's quite an interesting area when you get into it. Essentially, just to cap this off, this is what we're paying Strata for, right? Part of the costs of our quarterly Strata fee or our strata rates, you might call it, will go to paying for all the things that need to be bought and, and fixed, but also paying for the strata manager to manage it. That's where the fees come out of, right? Yes. So if, if you look at a, a general 
list of accounts at, at any AGM and in a building, the big ticket items there generally are uh, insurance costs, electricity costs, water costs, cleaning costs, and strata management costs. Everything other than that is projects or... Ad hoc know, things. Painting the building, re-roofing, those kind of bigger things. But you're not just paying the strata manager and certainly your fee doesn't go directly to the strata manager. They just get a very small amount of your levy to manage all those other things. The role of the strata manager has changed since the 60s. What did it used to be? How involved were you? And then where do you think strata management will be in the next 20, 30 years as an industry? Strata was kind of invented in the 60s. It, was, it didn't work before then. There used to be a way of owning apartments, which was called a company title. Basically, a company owned it. And I think that's the way that the Lawson building in Perth is still. So it's not necessarily moved to a strata yet. So the way that they did it back then was they created a company who owned the land and then you bought a share of the company and that entitled you to use part of the building. Then they said, well, that's not working I can't get a mortgage on it. It's too cumbersome. <laughs> it's yeah. too cumbersome. So that's when in the 60s, some bright person came up with the idea of strata. And Australia led the way worldwide in the creation of strata. And we still lead it with our legislation and some of the things that we do here. But as the industry evolved, the buildings got bigger is the other thing. In the 60s, when you think about the 60s, we're talking low rise, red brick. <laughs> At most, it was two stories. Um, all the BGC stuff. There's a lot of stuff you, know, you still see in Maylands, Monsmont Park, yeah. Vic Park, yeah. all this cream sort of buildings out there. And you go, oh, that's a bit of an eyesore. But that was the standard back that in the 60s and 70s. That was the standard. That's it. 10 to 13 story buildings. Yeah. It's amazing what they got through them because you think about now, if you wanted to do that next door, the planning system would not even allow for that level no, of density. It wouldn't, it wouldn't allow it. It's interesting. So then, and then you move through the 70s and 80s. In most of the states in WA, uh, in Australia, and including WA, there, there became some law changes in about the 80s because that's when buildings started getting really much bigger. And so they realised they needed to tinker with the strata laws to make it more a fairer system. And then most recently in this decade we're in now, almost every state in Australia has changed their strata laws. And WA is the only state in Australia to actually formally recognise strata managers in the strata laws. Right. So that's really good. And uh, it gives some uh, comfort to your listeners that the strata managers are recognised and also have requirements under the law. Well, the and reason I ask is because this is a state of freehold titles. 90-something percent, I would have thought, of titles in WA would be freehold. Your backyard, your 700 square metres in Willoughby. <laughs> but I, my views are that over the next few decades, that percentage will continue to decrease and the percentage of survey strata and strata title ownership will just continue to increase to a point where there's probably more of them than there are freehold, especially within the first 20 kilometres of the city at some point. And that means that for certain levels of density, strata managers are just going to be a factor of life because there's going to be people sharing things a lot more than they used to and therefore someone has to look after all that sharing. I totally agree. Your guess is very accurate. There's 12% of survey strata and strata currently in WA and of that, it's something like 7% is what we consider strata, apartments strata. So your guess of 90% freehold is there you go. spot on. <laughs> And you're quite right. It's a well-known fact for the government. The state government wants everyone to infill. We can't keep spreading. Perth is is longer than it's ridiculous. The, longer yeah. than the county of LA. So it's so long it can't keep spreading, and you definitely don't want to get into a situation like Detroit where you've spread so far that you have to start 
raising the buildings to stop because you can't afford to keep the roads up or the, the fire engines going or the police attending. Yeah, or the shared stuff. services, the utilities are just too expensive. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I've seen. Uh, and this is why there's such a push for median density because it is ridiculous. In my opinion, Bald Ibis shouldn't exist. Ellenbrook shouldn't exist. Yanchep, Alkamos, they should be country towns. They should be holiday spots. There's no reason these areas should exist exist other than the greed of land developers in my opinion all of the people that live there if they were living within 20 to 30 kilometers of the city wow the vibrancy the culture from activity centers from the urban infill that we would have in perth the shared services the amazing train and bus networks we'd have the tram networks you might be able to afford if all the people that were out there that we didn't have to spend on new schools on new roads on new power and water and all that money was spent within 30 40 k's of the city as a max wow what a city we would have i totally agree i totally agree it's interesting being a city councillor there's I've been told there's 77 vacant blocks of land still in city of Perth. Wow. Still. Where are they? They're all they're dotted all over. <laughs> there's one right opposite Council House. There's one right opposite our office, actually. There is, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, these, these things should not be empty. No. You know, Why are they empty? If that was empty, you'd, it would be a gold mine in Sydney or Melbourne, and someone would have been developing it right now. Instead, it sat there empty for three years. <laughs> uh, and, and we're on the corner of Newcastle Street. It's interesting. I, I, I lived in Sydney for a long time, and it seems like... Here, there's been quite a lot of easy development, and in Sydney, there's no easy development. It's, no, the, it's all hard. You're still you're, you're building on top of a train station or over the top of a of a heritage listed building, and you just do it because there's no other option. <laughs> yeah, they're 50 years ahead of us. They're solving these massively complex problems, and through that, they're generating a profit. Here, it's still we're still in the immaturity of that space where if as long as we can acquire the land. And as long as we can demonstrate a need for it in that location, we'll get it up and we'll get it done and there'll be profit there. Yeah. And that's the only reason developers do these things, right? There's obviously the benefit socially and socioeconomically, socio-demographically that comes from it. But uh, no developer will be so altruistic as to say that they're doing it for these third-party reasons. There's a profit in it first, right? And for there to be profit, you have to have those benefits. And uh, that is the whole point of urban infill of median density is that if you can incentivize a private developer to assist these, well, then the whole of society will be better off for it. Yeah, I totally Unfortunately, agree. there is so much power in land developers in Western Australia that it's worked the opposite way and in contrast to the values and needs of our society in Perth these days. Maybe it was relevant 30, 40 years ago. In my opinion, it's certainly not relevant now. In fact, it's actually hurting us. Absolutely. I agree. Catherine Lisa, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate the chat and I'm sure there are so many people that if it's not now, certainly in the future, we'll be looking back to this episode as the strata space in Perth continues to expand and become more necessary. Strata managers will become more necessary and relevant to everyone's lives in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!